I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're doing a series called Release of the Spirit. We've been seeing that God's dream for man is that we should be a temple of God. We are spirit, soul, and body, three parts. And that corresponds to how all temples are designed. Uh, there's the Holy of Holies, which is the spirit. And then there's the holy place, which is the soul. And then there's the outer court, which is the body. And so we are designed by God to be temples of his glory, his presence. And so that's why God, from the very beginning, has taught man about the concept of temple. And uh, this dream that man would be God's temple seemed to die when Adam sinned and the glory left him and uh, man's spirit died uh, because, and that meant he could not contain the glory of God. But the prophet saw that one day when the Messiah comes and would make a sacrifice for sin, he would restore man to be a true temple of God. Ezekiel says, I will put a new spirit in you and I will put my spirit within you. Notice two things there. First of all, our spirit must be made new. That's the new birth. And then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. While we have that old dead spirit, the Holy Spirit can't, cannot dwell in that. But we are born again, and that then allows the Holy Spirit to come and live in us, and we become temples of God. And when Jesus came, one of the major themes of his ministry was that he was now the true temple of God, a man with God's spirit within him. He was a, the prototype temple. And also that in the teaching of Jesus is that he would bring in through the new covenant uh, a new situation through his death and resurrection whereby he would reproduce himself in us and we would become temples after his pattern. And we would have God's spirit within us and his spirit flowing out of us from our spirits. In John 4, Jesus uh, described this to the Samaritan woman, uh, how God would do this through the new birth. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Salvation is a free gift. And when we receive Christ, we take the, the Spirit of God comes inside us. And verse 13, he says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. We will have an, like an everlasting spring of life within us. Eternal life. And in John 7, we saw that Jesus cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So God is saying he's come, coming uh, to bring in this new era where the Holy Spirit will live in us and where his life, his rivers of life will flow out of us. We will become dynamic temples of the living God. And he said this would happen after his death and resurrection. Verse 39, John 7, this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when Jesus was glorified, when he ascended on high, he poured out the Holy Spirit, and 
anyone can come, believe in Jesus, and drink and receive the Spirit within us. And then God wants that Spirit within us to flow out of us, and we become that temple of God. So, in the time of Jesus, if people needed to contact God, they would have to come to his temple, which was Jesus. And then just before his death, Jesus told his disciples what would happen through the new covenant, that through his blood he would make it possible for them to be a temple, just like him, and that he would send his spirit to be in them, not just with them, but in them, and that he would indwell them forever. And the life of God would now be within us. And so there would be millions of mobile temples of God instead of just the one, Jesus. And that people would be, should be able to contact God by coming into contact with one of his temples. And so we should be carrying the presence of God's Spirit, God's healing, God's blessing. And, and that they should be able to come to a temple like us and God's Spirit flow out to minister to their needs. Jesus said this in John 14, he said, I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. Now, that's speaking about the fact the Holy Spirit dwelt with the disciples because the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, the temple of God. And so they knew of the Spirit with them. But now he says, he will be in you. So there's the new thing. The Holy Spirit will now not just be in Jesus, but it will be in all of his disciples. We will become temples of God, just like Jesus. That's God's plan. This was made possible by the new birth, which is the recreation of our spirit, making it fit for God to dwell within us. And this is accomplished by two things, blood and oil. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Let me explain that. Things are, can be in three states. We see this throughout the Bible. Either unclean, clean, or holy. Um, think of the unclean state as negative state. That's due to sin. Clean is a neutral state. It could also be called common. Something is common or clean. It's not negative, but neither is it positive. It's, it's a zero. And then the positive state is holy. Um, now, to make something that is unclean clean is you cleanse it. And how do you cleanse it? Anything must be cleansed by blood. Only blood can cleanse and remove that sin so that it's cleansed. But even when it's cleansed, it's just common. To make something that's common or clean holy, that is to sanctify it, which means to set it apart to God. It's dedicated to God, and then God consecrates it, which means God fills it with his presence. And it's his presence in that thing that makes it holy. And that is now a positive state. See, God doesn't just want you to be cleansed from sin. God wants you to be holy. He wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit, um, possessed, as it were, by the presence of God, as a temple of God. And so there, there, are, th there are those three things. So first of all, blood cleanses the unclean thing and makes it clean, 
but it's still common. And then oil, representing the Holy Spirit, is what now the oil applied to it makes it holy. If something's unclean, by the way, you can't anoint it and make it holy. It must be cleansed first, and then the oil can make that holy when it's dedicated to God. So your job, for instance, may not be an unclean job, like being a prostitute, for example. It might be a clean job, but if you just do it to make some money, it's just a common thing. But when you dedicate it to God and ask God to anoint you in that, then it becomes, as it were, your ministry, and then it's a holy thing. And, and so that's the basic principle. So priests, when they were consecrated, first the blood was put on their, their feet and their hands and their ears, I think, and then the oil was put on it. First the blood, then the oil. The blood makes clean, the oil makes holy. So in our sins, we were dead to God and unclean. We were unholy. We were unable to have God's Spirit within. God's Spirit could not anoint or dwell in an unclean vessel. And so the new birth um, and the Spirit within us could not happen until Jesus first shed his blood to cleanse us from sin. And so when we accept Jesus as Lord now, um, what happens is his blood is applied to our spirits and it cleanses them from sin. And then the oil of the Spirit can be applied to our spirit, making us holy, set apart to God, born again. And then the presence of the Spirit within us is what makes us holy. It makes us uh, fit to contain the presence of God and we become his holy temple. So when we receive Christ and his blood, the blood is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. It's as if the mercy seat in our Holy of Holies is sprinkled with his blood, and we are now, then the Holy Spirit then sanctifies us, makes us holy on the inside, and he dwells within us, and he, he makes our spirit brand new. Praise God. And, uh, and so we become his temple with the Spirit of God living within us. Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 9. He said, neither do men put new wine, that represents the Spirit, into old wineskins. Now the old wineskins represent our old man, our old dead spirit. It cannot contain the new wine of God. It says, else the wineskins would just break, and the wine runs out, and the wineskins perish, but they put new wine into new wineskins, or renewed wineskins, and both are preserved. So what would happen if it was an old wineskin that was cracked like our old spirit? They would take oil, and they would rub oil into that wineskin and renew it and make it fresh. And then it could contain the wine, uh, and that wine could then be poured out of the wineskins. And so in the same way, we needed our old spirit. Once the blood was applied, we needed the Holy Spirit to come and rub his oil in our spirit and make us new creations. He renewed our spirit. And once we're born again, then the wine of the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us. And now, then we need to learn how to pour that wine out to, to bless a thirsty world. And so, before Jesus died and rose again, bringing in the new covenant, it was impossible for anyone to be born again. 
That's the big difference, really, between the old and the new. It was impossible, therefore, for their old dead spirits to go to heaven when they died, even if they were believers. So in Old Testament times, every, all the, everyone went down to Hades, even believers. Jesus didn't, he said in John 3, uh, verse 3, for example, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So you can't go to heaven. They couldn't go to heaven because they weren't born again. I say to you, unless you're born of water, that's the water of the mother's womb, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So to actually go to heaven, they had to be born again. And before Jesus died and rose again, the new birth was just not available. So when they died, they went down to Hades. That's why Jesus said in, in John, uh, in verse 13, he said, no one has ascended into heaven. So, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So men, when they died, could not ascend to heaven. They, that was not available to them because they were not yet born again. I want you to know that the new birth is the greatest miracle. It changes everything. You know, this explains what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said, among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That tells us that John the Baptist, technically speaking, was not in the kingdom of God um, because he was not actually born. He was a servant of God, and of course he would be in the kingdom of God, but technically speaking, he was not born again. And therefore, anyone who's born again is greater than John the Baptist. So the new birth is only available after the resurrection of Christ. Now, of course, on the basis of their faith, the sins of the Old Testament saints were forgiven. They were legally counted as righteous. And so they went to a special compartment. They were treated differently from unbelievers. When they died, they went to a special compartment of Hades called Paradise, or Abraham's bosom, um, rather than to the other compartment called Torments, which was a place of punishment. Uh, we see that in Luke 16. Uh, 22, it talks about a believer and an unbeliever dying. It says the beggar died, who was the believer, and carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, or paradise. The rich man, who is an unbeliever, also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. So, notice they, they are both in go down to Hades, but they're in two different compartments, but they can see one another. So one isn't in heaven and one's not in Hades. They're in the same basic realm. And two compartments. And those two compartments were separated by a great abyss, a gulf fixed between them, and they couldn't cross over. So they didn't go to heaven, but they did have an imputed righteousness but they didn't have an imparted righteousness. In other words, they weren't born again. When you're born again, you, your spirit becomes righteous before God in its very nature. But they had a legal standing of being forgiven and righteous. That's all they had before Jesus died and rose again. They were still spiritually dead in Adam. And they had not yet been made perfect and alive to God. And so they didn't qualify to go to heaven. Ezekiel prophesied that, that the time was coming when God would make the new birth possible. And he says, I will 
in the future, I will, through the Messiah, put a new spirit within you, and I will put my spirit within you. But that's only happened through the new covenant, through Christ. So our new birth was accomplished by Christ through his death and resurrection, because it's described that it's through our identification with Christ. When we believe in Christ, we're putting Christ, we're identified with Christ, and we're identified with his death and resurrection. That's what baptism represents. And so our old spirit man was crucified with Christ and was buried with Christ, and in its place we received a new spirit man which is risen with Christ, that consists of the resurrection life of Christ. So, this means that this could only be accomplished after Jesus had died and risen again. Praise God. Our re his resurrection power was applied to our spirit and we became a new man, which is holy and righteous and perfect. The Bible says we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. His work of art. We're a new creation in Christ. The old man has passed away and all things have become new. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. 1 Peter says we're born again through the resurrection of Christ. Uh, we're born again through the incorruptible seed of God's word, which, which means that our spirit, therefore, must be, have the perfect, incorruptible nature of Christ. This is wonderful news. But our spirit had to be made new if we were to be temples of the living God, because God cannot dwell in a sinful spirit. Uh, he must dwell in a new, reborn spirit. And Jesus said that all who believe in him have eternal life. In other words, we possess eternal life in our spirit. Praise God. You are amazing on the inside. You, your spirit has been saved. And this was done through the resurrection. And so believers could only be reborn and go to heaven after the resurrection. So... Um, that was the state before the cross, but everything changed when Jesus rose from the dead. It's interesting, we see this in Hebrews 11, which lists all the Old Testament heroes of faith. And in verse 39 is a verse I never understood. It says that they uh, obtained a good testimony through faith, but they did not receive the promise. And the promise that they're talking about, if you look in the context, is the promise of heaven, of, of, of having the, being in the new Jerusalem. And they, they didn't possess that promise when they died. They, they didn't possess that promise, even though Abraham looked for that city, because their spirit was not made perfect. That's verse 40, he says, God, having provided something better for us in the new covenant, the new and better covenant, God's provided something better, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And so they were not made perfect at that stage. They couldn't go to heaven. They had to wait until the new covenant, which we're in now, and then they would be made perfect with us. And that's exactly what happened. They had to wait for the new covenant to be established before they could be made perfect in spirit and possess the promise of heaven. And he, this happened for them when Christ rose from the dead. This promise could be fulfilled. And something amazing happened. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, these Old Testament saints were born again. They were made perfect in spirit, and they were transferred to heaven. Jesus took them to heaven. 
Hebrews 12 confirms that they are in heaven right now because he lists all the citizens in heaven. He says, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Who's in heaven? An innumerable company of angels. Who else? Who also? The general assembly and church of the firstborn registered in heaven. So the church saints who die, they're in heaven. It says, to God the judge of all. And who else is in heaven? And the spirits of just men made perfect. That's the Old Testament saints. They were counted as righteous, but now their spirits have been made perfect, and so they can go to heaven. And so we are, we are registered in heaven, and when we die, we will go to heaven if we're born again. But uh, another way uh, that, that we can see this is that Christ, in his death and resurrection, opened up a new and living way to heaven. And um, this way was only opened through the cross. We see this in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I prepare a place in heaven for you, that where I am you may be also. And then he went on to say, uh, he was the way, the truth and the life. He was the way to heaven so that we would come to heaven through him. And he said, there is no other way. I am the way. No one can come to the Father except through me, he said. And he opened up this way when he rose from the dead. And so what we're saying here is that the new birth is something that was accomplished by Christ. He made it possible. Before, there was no way a man could go to heaven when he died. Um, because his spirit was not yet made perfect and the new and living way had not been opened up. Now we can understand John 14, 12. Jesus said, Surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than he's these will he do, because I go to my Father. And people talk about what are the greater works? Are we going to do greater physical miracles than Jesus? I don't think so. What is the greater work? The thing is about Jesus, even with all his amazing miracles, he could not get anyone born again in his ministry because he, that wasn't even possible. But now we can do the works of Jesus, of healing, but he says, and greater works. The greater works is what he made possible through his death and resurrection. And what is the greatest miracle of all? It's, it's getting someone born again to take them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. That is the greater work that we are called to do, along with the other works of Jesus, the new birth. This is the new thing. Praise God. And so what could be greater than someone receiving eternal life in heaven? So Jesus brought in a major change in his death and resurrection. And he prophesied this when he f announced the church in Matthew 16. He said, on this rock, that's on Jesus himself, he's the rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's a wonderful news. The Hades is what would demand the soul of men when they died. They would have to go into Hades. But here it says the gates of Hades will not prevail. In other words, when we die, we will not go down through the gates of Hades. But rather, it, it has no dominion over us. Praise God, in, rather because we're born again, we go straight to heaven. I want you to see what a wonderful thing the new birth is. 
and how important it is to preach the gospel that men might be born again, because that changes everything. Hades, man, you see, was under the power of death and Hades. Death upon the body, Hades for the soul. And Jesus has defeated the power of both death and Hades over our lives. That's why we can declare, O oh death, where is your sting? O oh Hades, where is your victory? Praise God. Our spirit's already been liberated from the power of Hades. We will go to heaven when we die. And one day, our, our bodies are going to be set free from the power of death and will be resurrected. That's why Jesus said when he rose from the dead, I have the key. I, am, I was dead and I'm alive forevermore. Behold, I have the keys of Hades and death. And so this actually, what actually happened when Jesus rose from the dead is in 1 Peter 4, 6, it says the gospel has been preached even to those who are dead. That's the Old Testament saints. That though they were judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to God. What this is saying is when Jesus rose from the dead, he went to paradise and he preached the gospel that he's the son of God, he's died for their sins, he's risen again, and if they would accept him as Lord, praise God, the gospel was preached to them. They all, of course, put their faith in Christ and it says that they were made alive in the spirit. And now that they're born again and their spirits were made perfect, he could take, he could take all those in paradise straight up to heaven. And that's what Ephesians 4.8 says, that he, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. All those who were captive in paradise, as it were, were, were taken up uh, in a triumphal procession to heaven. And so all those Old Testament saints now, like Abraham, are now in heaven, praise God, because their new birth was accomplished at the time of the resurrection. And so when we die, we're going to go straight into the presence of God in heaven because we're born again. Hallelujah. And so that's why when somebody dies, they go to heaven. Like Paul, he was stoned to death. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. He says, I was caught up into paradise. When Paul died, he went up, not down. And so, as the Bible says, we are now new creations in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. Now all things have become new, and all things are of God. You are born again. Isn't it amazing? You have a, a wonderful possession. You are a temple of the living God. If you want some in-depth teaching on the release of the Spirit, how to release the power of the Spirit in your life, we have exactly what you need. There are three CD series here, each with eight CDs. Release of the Spirit 1, Release of the Spirit 2 and Release of the Spirit 3. And there's a special offer if you get two or three of these series. Let me encourage you that this is such an important area that we understand the dynamics of the Spirit in our life. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.